I feel like you got something. Something is just. Yeah. I can percolate. I always can. Yeah, percolating is exactly what we're looking for. What's going on? That sick mind. <laughs> How fired do I want to get? Is what's really going on? Do you know any of the people that have been romantically linked with Jimmy Garoppolo? Are you familiar with? Yes. I, 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 I absolutely am. Lawrence is certain. You know me and Jimmy G kind of run into the same bottle. <laughs> Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry, Jay Croucher, and it is running back primer day. We got a lot to get through. Of course, we will get into the Jonathan Taylor news before we get into all of that. A freshly shorn Jay Croucher. Shorn. Shorn. Look at him. Because I don't know if you know, this is... Like this is what they do to sheep in Australia. Like they just, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, you know, they do true. that. And you look, look. If, if I wish we had a picture of Jay from yesterday, or maybe we could just pull up, you know, if one, you of, watch the open, one of the you saw, one of the yeah. videos uh, of Jay talking up Michael Thomas because we've got a lot of those. Um, and you could see, like, sort of your hair is, you know. I needed to get more aerodynamic to dodge your four out of ten <laughs> shots that you take at me uh, every shot. That's you know, what I said. I felt like you were just trolling me because you're like, look, I look at all the hair I had to cut. <laughs> I cut a bunch of hair and I've still got hair. You yeah, walk yeah. in with it in the bag. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, just here, much. look, there you there go. There we go. Exactly. Like for you. Tyreek Hill you, waving at you as he runs into the end zone with all his hair. Exactly. But, you, you know, you bald F is Matthew. what you look at me with your eyes. <laughs> yeah. When I ahead. walked into uh, to NBC Stanford this morning with my new aerodynamic cut, yeah. walked in to see all the television. Briskly. Yes, and you see all the televisions as you come in. I see you on the television, on Dan Patrick, screaming, just screaming and pontificating, waving your arms. Also, where's that energy on our show? Yeah, different clothes. Well, I did. I dressed down for us. (laughs) I had to dress up for DP. Our our, uh, peacocky brethren, Dan Patrick. Obviously, the Dan Patrick Show uh, airs before us on Peacock. Dan is a legend, of course, an ESPN legend. Uh, really enjoyed the show. I was screaming because he was just like, he's like, I kind of think Michael Thomas could be a thing this year. I'm like, no! You listen to Jay Croucher? No, uh, I don't know what I was, t- I was, I, I, we, had a, we had an animated, we had a really fun discussion. Uh, check it out. Dan, uh, Dan's a legend. Dan's a legend. And I, I told him this. I told him this privately. I just said, you were the first guy, at least the first guy that I remember that showed there is life after ESPN. Because like, he was so aligned with SportsCenter and ESPN for so many years. And then, he went out and went on his own and was awesome, right? It was amazing and worked here at NBC, obviously. He's now his Peacock. He has his own show. He's done great. And so um, I say that with no disrespect to, uh, to ESPN, but just the fact is, is that, like, you know, it's such a powerful company, those four letters, is that when you're internal and you think, like, oh, what if I, if I leave here, what will happen to me? And Dan was the first guy to say, like, I'm going to go venture out on my own and see if, you know, I don't need those four letters to prop me up. And he doesn't, obviously. He's a legend. And so, uh, anyway, he's just, I don't know. I think he's a trailblazer in a lot of ways. Yep. Dan Patrick to Jay Crouch from Connor Rogers. Little yeah, life. I mean, little, my, career uh, is, my career is, you know, that way. But, little, um, so you've had Tom Brady in the morning and then Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Yeah, very the, Bucks-esque of yeah. it. Yeah. Though, though Baker Mayfield might have a good year, some are saying. Well, so, <laughs> so, the, the media doesn't <laughs> and, want you to know that. Trask yes. has potential, let and, me tell you. Yeah, exactly. Which, ones we, which one do you think you are? I was Baker actually, that's the first thing that came to my mind because I know which one I don't want to be. And I'm not saying that either. Yeah, I was going to say, which one is that? Which one don't you want to be? He couldn't be out Baker Mayfield. I'll be Baker Mayfield. I don't mind Baker Mayfield. He's 
who's, who's the number one overall Both pick. of you want to be Baker Mayfield. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. They, there you go. <laughs> what are you going to do? All right, let's get into those. Before we get into the running back primer. Yeah, get the world headlines. <laughs> no, not even. Oh, Before we get into that. That's why we have a host of this show, and it's not uh. you. Get the Roto World <laughs> Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code Barry20 for 20% off at checkout. Of course, you can use uh, J10 or Connor5. If you want yeah. to be in a club of luxury. <laughs> now it's time, Matthew, for the Roto World Player News. And of course, for all your Roto World Player News, you can go to NBCSports.com. And you know where we're kicking things off, as you see right there. Listen, Jonathan Taylor drafters, you drink free today because number one, why did you draft already? Because you need I, to be drunk? Yes. Yeah, and number two, you need to be drunk for this season because yeah. uh, Jonathan Taylor has been placed on the pup list and will miss at least the first four games of the regular season. Obviously, the Colts were not able to find a trade partner for him. The prices out there seemed pretty ridiculous anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, how hard did they look? Did you, you know what I mean? Did you hear who they asked for from Miami? <laughs> what did they ask? Stephen Holder, who covers, uh, obviously, the Colts in depth. Yeah, does Jalen Waddell's name was thrown back. <laughs> <laughs> That's one where you just honestly that if you get that trade offer and it, it's actually more realistic in a fantasy league if yes. Jonathan Taylor is, but that's a trade. That's the kind of trade that like if you got that in a fantasy league, like hey, your injured, angry player for my superstar, you wouldn't even respond to the text. You would just post the screenshot of it to the group message exactly. board or whatever, or you know, put it in a group chat, just saying like. Look at what Jay just tried to pass by me. You know, whatever. Here, look at look at this ridiculous trade. The NFL GM should have one of those. They, where they, Chris Greer can literally just screenshot the text yeah. and be like, "Did you see? Come on. Did you see what Chris Ballard and Jim Ursay tried yeah, to do to me? Yeah, yeah. I sort of feel like it's more Ursay than Ballard. Yeah, yeah. Ballard uh, is a very calculated, it, smart man. Yeah, I mean, yes. Ballard knows. Like he's you know he's doing what he can. Um, yeah, Jalen Waddle. But that's my point. Is is like you know how hard did Indy try to, you know. To trade Jonathan Taylor. What's the end game here? I just don't understand. If they're not negotiating in good faith, which if they're asking for Jalen Waddle, then they're probably (laughs) not. What's the end game here? Is he just going to miss the first four games of the season on the pop list and then maybe come back? Like, what is it? Is he going to play football this year? I just don't understand. I don't understand how this ends. No, that's right. And again, like, we don't. The problem is, is that we just, we have no, and we've talked about this forever. We have no concept as to actually how healthy Jonathan Taylor is, right? Like, is... Jonathan Taylor, 90% healthy, you know, and like at the end of four weeks, he'll be great, ready to go, or is he 10% healthy? You know what I mean? And honestly, the only people that really know that are Jonathan Taylor and the the medical staff of the Colts. And so I just, I will tell you this. I moved him down to running back 27. I have no shares of Jonathan (laughs) Taylor. I have no shares of Jonathan Taylor so far. And I don't know that I'm going to. Like, because he, he gets into that, that running back dead zone range where, where there are other guys that you feel better of. Like, at some point, you just say, all right, screw it. Like, I'll, I'll take a flyer because if he doesn't play this year, then it doesn't matter because I've already got two starting running backs that I feel good about. But, uh, and if he does play, then obviously I just got a massive draft day steal. But I'm with he, you. Was, I don't he know. was running back 17 last year on a points per game basis. And that was when he was playing, you know, he's injured. Last year, he missed time. Last year, he was not a top 15 fantasy running back on points per game basis. And last year, by the way, he had a running a quarterback that isn't going to vulture touchdowns, which we think is going to happen with Anthony Richardson. So we think the team is going to be better this year, so that does help. They'll be in scoring position more often, but just there's, there's just so many bad vibes. And that, yet, by the way, cut to him being traded to Miami, 
for not Jalen Waddle, but maybe Cedric Wilson, um, <laughs> and whatever. And suddenly, I'll, oh, Jonathan Taylor, Miami Dolphins. Now you're excited. I, but this one just gives me bad vibes, Connor. Yeah. How can it not right now? And I think if you are drafting him any earlier than where you have him ranked right now, Matthew, I think you're praying he gets traded at the trade deadline, which, Jay, brings us to the conversation. It doesn't seem like the Colts are actually genuinely interested in moving on from Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it's such a strange situation. And, I mean, some people, now we just think of Jonathan Taylor, we immediately just think of the trade and the, and the mess. But we forget that in 2021, 1,811 rushing yards, rushing title by margin, 18 touchdowns on the ground, and also had 360 yards and a couple touchdowns through the air behind a bad offensive yeah, line with great. a bad quarterback. And he's, he's 24 years old still. He could still be the best running back in football, but between the health, between not knowing if he's going to play football, where he's going to play football, he's unhappy. it's just a mess. And now we're in the situation where that stat line for still a 24-year-old I might rather have Cam Akers in fantasy wow. right now than Jonathan Taylor, honestly, because at least I know that he's going to play and be a lead back. I have Akers ranked. I have Akers ranked higher. So I thought there were some. Look, this is all super. We can just whip through this real quickly, but we got some clarity on some running back depth charts uh, yesterday with some some notable cuts and like. No one super surprising got cut. <laughs> Patriots, and we'll talk about the quarterbacks. But um, uh, that one was like kind of like, oh, okay. Um, but, no, it, just in terms of, like, you're, you're always looking for insurance running backs. This is we're talking about um, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I, By the way, Zach Moss has a chance to return for week one. He has that broken arm. But right now, I think I would – I'll probably have, unless we get more clarity between now and opening day, I will have Deion Jackson ranked higher than Evan Hall if you're, you know, sort of handicapping who's going to be the Colts running back for the first four weeks. The truth is, is I think it's probably more likely going to be a committee and that the, quote, running back on the Colts you want is Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, he's a quarterback. But, like, that's the, the rushing, the, the player that's going to rush the best on the Colts is Anthony Richardson. That's sort of my take. But if, if you're asking me for a running back, I'll take Deion Jackson right now. Is Deion Jackson is he a, a flex RB, low-end RB3 is currently constituted, that type of range? Yeah, I mean, if we knew he was the guy. If yeah. he, you know, remember last year he had five different games with uh, over 13 touches. He had two different games with 75 receiving yards. There were two games where you knew, like, sort of he was the guy. When Jonathan Taylor was out from weeks five to six last season, he averaged over 20 fantasy points per game. He can be a three-down back. We've seen some pass-catching ability from him. We can see him go between the tackles. But, again, we just – it's a brand-new coaching staff. Again, they also traded for Zach Moss midseason last year. They have Evan Hall, who they like. So, it's – again, like I said, if I knew – in week two, he easily could be a viable flex play if we see Deion Jackson get, you know, 70% of the snaps or whatever. But it, it feels like more of a committee at the moment. I'll have Jackson ranked the highest of the three going into week one unless we get some news. Now, speaking of news, we got some news and clarity, like I said, on some running back rooms. Dallas cuts Malik Davis, right? Which means, like, the, the Tony Pollard backups are Rico Dowdle and Deuce Vaughn, and that's how I would rank them. That's, you know, if... Miles Gaskin gets cut by Miami, expected to sign with the Vikings, um, which is just more clarity. Like, after the, you know, Mostert, Wilson, A-Chain, you've got Savon Ahmed there. Corey Clement uh, cut in Arizona. Keontae Ingram is the James Conner insurance running back you want. Dwayne McBride gets cut in Minnesota. Again, we just talked about Gaskin. He might go into Minnesota, but I think Ty Chandler. Yeah, they like him a lot. Yeah, Ty Chandler is the Viking running back you want, backing up Madison. And then Trey Sermon. No longer a Philadelphia Eagle. Another bad draft pick by the Niners, by the way. I mean, like, he was a third-round pick. Oh, yeah. They've missed the, they've, for all the running backs they seemed to uncover, 
they also miss on twice as many. Yeah, it's super weird. They shouldn't pick early. Like they, no. they, they spent a third-round pick on Trey Sermon, who's now you know, out of his second NFL team. Elijah Mitchell, though, was a six-round pick. He's the and end of day three. Yeah. yeah, he was, you know. That works out for him. So, right, Brock Purdy, Elijah Mitchell. They should just not pick until day three. Uh, but, you know, Trey Sermon going just means it's going to be Penny and Swift and Gainwell and Boston Scott in Philadelphia, as we expected. Yep. Jay, any of those situations stand out to you, or do you think it's kind of cut and dry? I think McBride being a draft pick, although not an early one, is maybe somewhat of a surprise, but the preseason kind of played itself out with that situation. Yeah, I mean, Miles Gaskin might have uh, some annoying vulturing, uh, some PPR points particularly uh, from Madison if he does sign with Minnesota as expected. So that would be maybe the one, but I don't think any of these are super relevant. I mean, we're going to talk about Tony Pollard as we talk about the tiers, but to me that's, that's the most exciting situation in Dallas. As we did earlier in the week, we start off with the quarterback primer. We also covered tight end. Today's all about the running backs. Listen, there is so much to get through with strategy, ADP, but most notably tiers. So let's show Barry's uh, tier one and tier two running backs. Obviously a very, very thin group because it's these two guys. It's Christian yeah. McCaffrey and then, of course, Austin Eckler here at the top, Barry. Yeah, proudfantasylife.com investor Austin Eckler. <laughs> couldn't get, about couldn't get McCaffrey? Uh, we, we pitched it to him. <laughs> Still working on it. Honestly. Um, uh, we, we didn't talk to his agents. There was some interest. <laughs> there was actually some interest there. But um, at any rate, yeah, both these guys are, you know, obviously three down backs that are heavily involved in the passing game, have a lot of high a- a touchdown equity on offenses that we think are going to be among the best ones in the NFL. I tend to wait. I found myself waiting on running back in the majority of leagues. It's just because as we get into it, you'll see there's so much uh, this year. Wide receivers have been elevated, and as a result, you're finding good running backs in, in the fourth, fifth, sixth round that you can live with, and so getting elite wide receiver. But both these guys are worth a first-round pick because of their touchdown equity, their three-down usage, their passing game usage as well. Remember, uh, Austin Eckler last year had an almost 19% target share. McCaffrey, each of his past three seasons where he's played at least 16 games, he's had over 1,800 yards from scrimmage. So we think, you know, Kyle Shannon's going to kind of unlock him. So that brings us to Tier 2, obviously much beefier. In Tier 1, it's just McCaffrey and Eckler, like we said. When you look at Tier 2, Bijan, Saquon, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, and Joe Mixon. Jay, out of all the running backs we've gone through in the first two tiers, which of them are you willing to use a first-round pick on? Well, I think the guy who's, who's not going in the first round at the moment, but we might look back in a month and be like, why wasn't this guy a first rounder, is Tony Pollard. Yeah. Because from week 7 to 16 last year, he was the number one running back in fantasy. And Ezekiel yeah. was playing a lot of the time then. And I just think that the fact that that is going to be an offense that runs the ball, that is explosive, that is going to be, we expect the top three team in the NFC be in touchdown position. Here's the thing, Pollard last year was RB8. And he didn't even get red zone carries. Yeah, he did no. that without red zone carries with Ezekiel Elliott there. And I just think, like, I'm, everyone is putting Saquon above Tony Pollard. And I get it because he's more established and he's had the workhorse usage in the past. But I don't know. I might just prefer Pollard over Saquon at this point. The only question, the only question about Tony Pollard, and I agree with you. Like, again, I, he was on my very short list of my potential fantasy ride or die. He's there on the, the cover of the Rotor World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. The only concern with him is two words. Michael McCarthy. Okay. No, I honestly, like, Mike McCarthy. is his issue that he runs the ball. No, 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 right. But he likes to sometimes use, I mean, again, like, so I made a, I did, it was like a three-year-long joke of free Aaron Jones. Like, I, I literally started that hashtag on my old show because Aaron Jones was so good and so explosive, and he would keep running, like, you know, these guys that were just plotters, um, you know, and 
use multiple running backs. We're like, free Aaron Jones. What does Aaron Jones have to do? Like, you know, like we like Jamal Williams, but Aaron Jones was so explosive and Jamal Williams was just kind of like this guy. And like, anyway, uh, so my concern is, is like, do you see more Rico Dowdle than we want? Nothing against Rico Dowdle, but I'm just like, that's my only concern is, is, as, is, he, is he like a 15 to 17 touch guy, not a 20 to 22 touch guy? That's fair. And my concern about Pollard would be that he, he broke his leg, which people don't really seem right. to remember. Yeah, is that he yeah. did fracture his fibula in that game in the playoffs against the Niners. Um, so that would be the thing. Maybe he's not quite as explosive. Maybe they ease him back in because that is a pretty severe injury. Obviously, but I think that he has he has all the upside in the world right. to be to be the number one player in fantasy yeah. this year. And that's some footage right there against the Texans. And you just you don't just run on the Texans unless you're super talented. <laughs> yeah. It's only uh, Pollard and Derrick Henry. Those yeah. are the only two guys. They, you can, they can run it. No, but anyway, we, you, but we just see him catch a touchdown pass, which is well. Dak goes through his motions and then checks down, gets credit for a touchdown pass, even though Tony Pollard does all the work there. Um, no big deal. My MBD. man, Dak. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm all in Cowboys yeah. this year. Huh? I'm all in Cowboys this year. A lot of Cowboys stuff. Yeah, very I, high on Dak. You know what? Very high Tony Pollard. Very high Micah Parsons, DPOY. We're getting an yeah. Nate's reference. Kind of fits with my, my yeah. front runnerness. the Cowboys. Yeah, I know. Stuff. I can't yeah. wait till you bail and come over to the Commander's <laughs> Camp yeah. or the Eagles like in week three, yeah. like you did yes, last year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm with you on, on Pollard. Pollard has, if he gets that run, Pollard has number one running back in fantasy upside. He yep. legitimately could be. That's within the range of outcomes for him. You know, Bijan Robinson is there. We've talked about Bijan quite a bit, but we expect Atlanta to be very run heavy. And again, what all these guys have is more or less three down usage or incredibly high touchdown equity upside, which is what Nick Chubb has. We expect that offense to be a lot better. Nick Chubb, who's probably the best pure running back in football from a talent standpoint, averaged over 19 touches per game last year. He's had at least eight rushing touchdowns in every NFL career, every NFL season of his career. Four straight uh, years of averaging over 100 scrimmage yards per game. And now again, like I think he'll face you know more friendlier uh, defensive fronts because of Deshaun Watson. As long as Deshaun Watson isn't last year's Deshaun Watson, as long as he's semi-similar to what we've seen when he was in Houston, uh, Nick Chubb should have a monster year. He's my number five running back. How much does the touchdown equity impact Chubb in maybe half PPR leagues or a, a true standard league? Is there that much of a jump for him in those because of the touchdown equity he gets? Yeah, I mean, I think so. He's he Because he's not super involved in the passing game, he's even more valuable in non-PPR or half PPR. But the expectation is, is that he's still going to get a massive workload, still be a, a big touchdown score. I think they'll use him a little bit more in the passing game. Um, than uh, than we have seen previously. No more Kareem Hunt there. Obviously, they have they have Dream, Jerome Ford. They traded for Pierre Strong. What like right. I, I feel good about Nick Chubb's spot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I know they like Jerome Ford, but Jerome Ford has like less than ten carries in his NFL Change career. Of pace. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, the, you get an explosive play, but you're not going to lean on him. No, no, no. Let's jump into tier three here. This is where things start to get really interesting because you obviously have a, a bit of a change, whether it's talent or offensive situation. This is led by Travis Etienne. This is a very, very once again beefy tier, though. Followed by the rookie Jameer Gibbs, Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Pierce, Brees Hall, Najee Harris, Alexander Madison, Kenneth Walker. Aaron Jones. There's a lot of talent in this section, Barry. This is where does the running back dead zone start? See, to and hit? that's what's crazy is it isn't here. This right? is normally yeah. when it starts. Normally, the third through six rounds is kind of the running back dead zone where you're looking for running backs that don't have elite talent, don't have great offensive situations, but they're just sort of like they're the guy. You know what I mean? Like, okay, like we don't think you're any good, but you're the only guy they got on a bad offense, and so like eh, this is a little ugly. Like, and so like the the 
like the the version of that this year is like Miles Sanders, and he's going like much much later, right? Who's a guy like we we expect him to have. Like I'm not a huge Miles Sanders fan. We don't think that offense is going to be very good, but he should get the majority of work for the Panthers and Frank Reich. And so that's the like that's where it sort of starts. But here, as you mentioned, like I love Damian Pierce, right? I mean uh, Jameer Gibbs, who we've we've talked about, right? Uh, DeAndre Swift, who couldn't stay healthy, still was a top 15 running back in points per game each of the past three seasons in this role. We've talked about Ramondre Stevenson, who should have a very high floor. Even, you know, even Najee Harris, right? I mean, like, we don't love Najee Harris at at cost, but he's still going to touch it. He's probably still going to get at least 60% of the touches on what we think is going to be unimproved offense. So, yeah, I I think that that's why I think it's important to wait. This this year, I've... I've almost never gone running back, running back. I know I did that in that draft the other day when Derrick Henry fell to me late in the second. But the truth of the matter is, is what what I've mostly done this year is wide receiver, wide receiver, maybe wide receiver, tight end. Every once in a while, if I have a high pick, maybe it's a McCaffrey or an Eckler. But then I'm waiting because I love getting somebody like Damian Pierce or um, Jameer Gibbs or one of these guys in the third, fourth, fifth round. There's some other guys coming up as we get into tier four that I'll just show you that I really – some. Some high targets that I like, but there's just a lot of guys, projectable volume. So here's, I love this. So look at this ADP, right? James Conner in the seventh, Cam Akers and James Cook in the eighth, Montgomery in the ninth, Rashad White goes in the seventh, Pacheco in the eighth, Miles Sanders in the seventh, eh. but whatever, Dalvin Cook in the ninth, um, you know, we've talked, we've talked about Taylor at the top of the show, then J.K. Dobbins, don't love him, Javante Williams and Alvin Kamara. My point is, is like, James Conner, Cam Akers, James Cook, possibly Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco. All of those are guys uh, that are going to flirt with 20 touches a game and be very good. I mean, from week 10 on last year, Isaiah Pacheco had at least 15 touches. David Montgomery's had at least 230 touches and 1,000 yards from scrimmage in every year he's played in the NFL. And I'm telling you, talking to my, my, uh, my sources in Detroit, they love David Montgomery. He is one of my favorite mid-round targets, him and Damian Pierce. I love Pierce. Again, I, I bring this up all the time, but my buddy, Dwayne McFarlane, who's over at FantasyLife.com, does the utilization report, which is amazing, looks at underlying statistics. If you just look at the amount of playing time he's getting with the first team, like he's playing almost 100% of the snaps with the first team. I'm not saying Damian Pierce plays 100% of the snaps when the regular season starts, but like the idea that he's only going to play like 65 or 70% and Devin Singletary is going to have a significant role does not seem to be playing out. Like It is going to be the Damian Pierce show in Houston behind a better-than-you-think offensive line and a team that wants to be conservative and run the ball. Pierce is going to have some third-down third down equity. Absolutely love Damian Pierce this year. We've talked about James Conner a lot on this show. One of seven running backs with 1,000 yards from scrimmage and at least eight touchdowns in each of the past two seasons. No one likes him because the Cardinals are going to be terrible, but because he's such a good pass catcher, he's not coming out of the game even when they're getting their butts kicked. Yep. And with Pierce, I mean, we talk about fantasy basically being talent and usage. And a lot of these guys like Alexander Mattison, David Montgomery, like I don't think they have superstar talent level, but they will get the usage. Pierce might get both. And then it could really explode where Pierce is a guy who could be a top five running back in fantasy. I don't think anyone would really blink an eye at the end of the season. If he's, if he's RB5 at year end, I don't think that's shocking. It would be surprising, I think, if that happened for Madison or Montgomery. But right now with Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs is going RB14. Montgomery's going RB31. To me, that gap is too big at the moment because Montgomery, I wouldn't be shocked if Montgomery outperforms Gibbs this year. thousand percent. He's going to have the Jamal Williams role, which is sort of the easy, lazy uh, analysis, but it's also accurate. Like, 
he's a better version of Jamal Williams. Now, I don't know that he gets 18 touchdowns, right? I mean, some of that is fluky in terms of game situation, and there are a lot of guys tackling the one-yard line for the Lions last year, but he could easily get 10 to 12, right? Again, he's going to get 200, 250, somewhere between 200 and 250 touches for David Montgomery this year, assuming health. And so I prefer David Montgomery at cost yep. to Jameer Gibbs. I know Gibbs is the sexier player, and I love Gibbs, but I'm telling you what's going to happen is Gibbs is going to touch the ball 10 times a game. 12 times games, and they're going to be high-volume high touches, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to use them in, in space, and he's going to make some really exciting plays. Love Gibbs. Love both guys. Both guys made my love list, but at cost, I think Montgomery is even better. And the only concern on James Cook here, just as we talk about other guys, is, of course, Damian Harris. Like, we saw Damian Harris come in the last preseason game, and does he take the red zone work at least, uh, at least initially? But it is worth knowing, Devin Singletary leaves 215 touches in this, this Bills offense. Devin Singleton now uh, backing up Damian Pierce in Houston. So he had five games last year where he had double-digit touches, and he averaged over 80 yards from scrimmage. I think I prefer James Cook to his brother Dalvin, and I think there's a guy that could easily be a top 15 running back if he gets a little bit more touchdown equity on one of the best offenses in the NFL. Let's jump into Tier 5, and now we get more into high upside backups, maybe some guys for your at-most flex spot, but most likely your bench that you could need at some point. This is kicked off by the very confusing backfield, Jay, that is the Philadelphia Eagles, led by DeAndre Swift in Tier 5. Yeah, this is just the latest new nightmare in fantasy, the Philadelphia Eagles backfield between Swift and Penny and Gainwell. I just think you're not going to know who to start each week, and we need to really see how that shakes out in the first game, I think, before we have clarity there. Uh, It's kind of the new Patriots backfield for years in the 2010s, where you're just not really sure. Khalil Herbert, to me, is an interesting one, because I think that that team, like, if Khalil Herbert, he has the talent where if they just give him the role and the usage, like he could be a top ten running back. That's this is a this is a range that I really love. So there's 31 through 36 in terms of the rankings, right? So you mentioned Swift. Don't love Swift, by the way, also because the, in addition to a lot of bodies there, they don't pass the running back. That's just yep. not how that offense works. Um, and there was there were thoughts that Swift might be traded or cut. Um, at any rate. Uh, but yes, you're right. Herbert is dropping down this far just because there's uncertainty about that backfield. But yes, I think there's a better than average chance he's getting three-fourths of the running, that he's getting 70% of the work on what should be a run-heavy team in Chicago. And so I love Herbert. I like, you're going to call me a homer, but both Gibson and Robinson are going to get a lot of work on a better than average uh, team. Brian Robinson's got a shot at 20 touches a game. That's who I like a lot. I think he has workhorse build, workhorse play style. He's got soft. He's the classic case of you look at him and you go, that guy won't be in the pass game because he's a big back. But what he's great at is pass protection, and he's got soft hands. Just because he's not going to run a wheel route in you know, a 4-3 speed does not mean he doesn't impact the pass game. So Brian Robinson, I think, is the biggest value play on that list. Yeah, and, and by the way, I played really well last year after being shot, yeah. right? You know, I, like, I just think that, like, again, we've talked about this. He's going to be in the Pacheco role. Antonio Gibson, who led his team last year in red zone touches, had 46 receptions, a 12% target share last year. Like, he's going to be in the Jarek McKinnon role. And so I think both guys in this range are really interesting, as is Samaj P. Ryan, who last year, in the two games Joe Mixon missed, had 48 touches, 248 total yards. He's averaged over 15 fantasy points per game in all of his games in which he's got at least 15 touches. And we've talked about this. Javante Williams is going to be on a pitch count. Sean Payton likes to use multiple running backs. A stat that I've used a lot on the show is that in five of the last six seasons that Sean Payton coached the Saints, he had multiple running backs touch the ball over 150 times. 
Samaj P. Ryan went to the Broncos because Sean Payton sold him on the idea. Again, Sean Payton didn't draft Javante Williams. He went out and recruited Samaj P. Ryan. They've already talked about Williams being on a pitch count. Again, similar to the Detroit situation, at cost, I prefer Samaj P. Ryan to Javante Williams because his ADP is running back, is pick 130. On ESPN, he's going in the 14th round, Samaj P. Ryan. Yep. And last year, I think a good parallel for that is Jarek McKinnon was RB20. And everyone wants to try and find, you know, Christian McCaffrey hiding in uh, behind the bushes. You're not going to really do that, but you can yeah. find Jarek McKinnon RB20 hiding behind the bushes potentially. And I think Samaj P. Ryan is a good candidate for that. Yeah. I mean, look, Jarek McKinnon was inflated by touchdowns. He had like yeah. just a crazy touchdown run there, especially towards the end of the season. Won me a bunch of leagues. We love Jet McKinnon. But to your point, I'm just saying, like, that's some. We think the Bronco offense is going to be a better-than-average offense. They keep, unfortunately, losing wide receivers. So in terms of guys that touch the ball, like Samaji Piran is going to touch the ball 15 times a game would be my, is my guess. Somewhere in the 12 to 15 range and probably er- more than that early in the season as Javante Williams comes back. And, like, there's value to that, especially in the 14th round. Yep. Come on. That takes us to our last tier, Tier 6. Similar in the mold of Tier 5, if you're looking for backups that can find some kind of role or they're one injury away from a heavy workload, and I think that might start at the top there with Zach Charbonnet, who was drafted in the second round this year, to not necessarily be Kenneth Walker's backup, but maybe a player that can find his way on third downs, catch the ball, and then we know Walker. He's dealt with a lot of injuries in his young career so far. Charbonnet is a guy that has the build to carry a heavy Seattle rush uh, workload there. So he's a guy that I would look for a flyer on considering where his ADP is, which is at pick 143 right now, Matthew. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. The other guy I like is going at, at 154 is Jalen Warren, who la, you know last year averaged 5.6 yards per touch. He's gotten got multiple red zone touches in three of his final four games. Had the nice 62-yard touchdown run in the preseason game. Again, we keep... Jalen Warren is going to be a thing this year. He's not just Najee Harris's backup. Like, he's going to be the third down back. I think he's going to get some early down work. I think you could see a scenario where you see Najee Harris get the first two series, and then Warren comes in and spells him. Like, Warren's going to get 10 to 12 touches and possibly more. Like, so Warren is one of my favorite guys in this range. Jamal Williams, he's going to be the, he's going to be the guy for the th- first three games, and there's no guarantee that he gives that role up. Like, right. we just don't know what kind of Alvin Kamara we're going to get when he comes back. You take a shot on Raheem Mostert here. Yeah, these are all guys that, like, if it breaks right, you could see something, right? Like, Tank Bigsby is really interesting to me. He's going to have, I believe, a short yardage role with the Jaguars to begin with. And ETN, if anything were to happen to him, Bigsby would immediately become a top 15 running back there. Uh, Both Dolphins guys are here, Mostert and Wilson. I think they're... Uh, I prefer Mostert to Wilson, even though Wilson is going higher yeah. according to ADP. Why is their ADP that different? That's 20 It's super spots. weird. That doesn't make any sense to me, it, Jay. It, it's super weird. Mostert has been playing, I mean, it's all very small sample size, but in the preseason, it's been Mostert over Wilson. Yeah, and Raheem Both Mostert. Both guys are going to have a role, though. But Raheem Mostert, who, by the way, averages 5.4 yards per carry for his career, yeah. which is completely insane. He's got the talent. It's always been a health thing with always. him. There are very real worlds where Miami just has the best offense in football this year. They're just that explosive, and they don't have a running back being taken in the first 40 running backs. Raheem Mostert, who had to deal with all this competition last year, still finished RB25. If he does that again, he's outperforming his ADP by 20 running back spots effectively. So I think Mostert's going too late. Yeah, you know, this, again, as you sort of go through these running back tiers, and by the way, this is the annoying thing, I'm just going to tell you. So tomorrow, tomorrow after the show, we are having our Fantasy Football Happy Hour show draft. So, like, the three of us, Lauren, you're actually in the league this year, <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. I, I haven't decided I, I, yet. Yeah, exactly. Maybe but everyone sweated out. Whatever. We, I don't remember if you were in the league or not last year, but I know you're in this year. 
Um, but like Lawrence is in the league, and uh, producer Damien, and uh, producer Pete, uh, producer Steven, you know, all all the guys. Penn State Blake is in the league, uh, and and so. But anyway, so I always hate this because. I have to play in a league with people that have been listening to me talk for like a month and a half. They're actually paid to do that. Right. Uh, But I think if ever there was a year to wait on running backs, which is never the case. It's always either running backs early or, hey, mix them in with wide receivers. But, again, you just sort of see the depth of these guys. Like some of these guys in Tier 6 are going to be very viable running backs this year. And you take one or two shots late in your draft and see what pans out. But this is the best year to wait on a running back. And I think you either want to do one of two things, which is either – Zero RB, which means you're waiting until, you know, at least round four, if not five or six, to draft your first running back. Or hero RB, which is you draft one. You draft a McCaffrey or Eckler early, and then you're waiting until, like, the fifth, sixth, seventh round to fill out the rest of your running back room. Yep. Let's take a look at who finished in the top ten in PPR scoring last season out of the running back position. Obviously, Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey are at the top. Thank goodness Josh Jacobs is happy back in camp on a new one-year deal for the mm-hmm. Raiders as well after leading the league in rushing last year. So this is just a comparison, PPR versus half PPR, depending on what league, uh, what your league scoring is. But it's worth noting here that in PPR, Nick Chubb was the sixth-best running back in fantasy. Ramondre Stevenson, even though we had Damian Harris, who in theory has – that's the Ezekiel Elliott role. Ramondre Stevenson was still the seventh-best running back in fantasy – Last year, Joe Mixon, who nobody likes, was a top 10 fantasy running back last year, and we think he he bounces back with some positive touchdown regression this year. And no one, Aaron Jones was running back nine last year. No one has no. talked about Aaron Jones this entire year. That's true. Like, and again, free Aaron Jones. Like, the Packers are not going to be bad with Jordan Love. They're not going to be bad. And as you see in half PPR, eight of the top 10 running backs from the PPR graphic we just showed you are back on this list. The list really doesn't alter that much here, Jay. And once again, Aaron Jones finds his way in. Dalvin Cook, obviously, on this list. But it just goes to show you there's not a drastic change with the scoring change. No, and it helps for guys like Jamal Williams, who weren't being used as the third down receiver as much. But for the most part, I mean, Austin Eckler is still number one in half PPR, even though so much of his value is tied to receptions. Yeah, I mean, like, the reason in half PPR, touchdowns mean more than they do in full PPR, which is why you see Jamal Williams sneak into the top ten there. But again, still in... Nick Chubb was still a you know, top six running back no matter what the scoring system. Yep. Let's get into a little bit of betting around the running back market right now, JR. Betting primer. Listen. Before we get there, just yeah. if I can, I just, Please. Um, I just want a couple of guys that I think are better in half PPR that get a little bit of a boost. We already talked about Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, of course. Damian Pierce, Ken Walker, J.K. Dobbins, Isaiah Pacheco are guys that if you're in a half PPR, I would move up a little bit. My rankings are PPR and guys that I think get a little bit more of a boost in – uh, PPR formats. We've already talked about James Cook. We talked about McKinnon and Antonio Gibson, Rashad White, who I think is going to be the guy in Tampa Bay. Although I will tell you, like one deep uh, deep sleeper um, at running back is Sean Tucker, my guy. You know, listen, I'm a Cuse guy. I went to Syracuse. Go Cuse. Go Orange. But like we talked about him the other day, Sean Tucker should have gone uh, third round. The third round. Play. I was yeah. going to say day two. Yeah. Made the team. It's looking good for Sean Tucker. He's healthy. And he's like, always had the talent. They don't. They clearly don't like Keyshawn Vaughn or Chase Edmonds. No, I feel like they right, haven't they, you like know? Vaughn for a while. Right, for a while. Yeah. So, all right, let's look at deep league name. The uh, the odds for most regular season rushing yards. This was led, of course, by Josh Jacobs last year. 
And this year, Jay, the front runner is actually Nick Chubb, followed by Derrick Henry. Josh Jacobs all the way down the board. This plus fifteen hundred for Josh Jacobs. No that respect. seems kind of insane. It does because, and the argument against him would be that the Raiders aren't going to be any good, but they weren't any good last no, year. Right. He still <laughs> won it comfortably. So I think fifteen to one on Josh Jacobs. Now that that situation is a result, like there's no way that Josh Jacobs should be almost twice Jonathan Taylor's odds. But Jonathan Taylor's no. not going to win the rushing title this year. I think Chubb and Henry are rightfully the two favorites. I would probably have Jacobs third after them. Tony Pollard's another guy uh, who I think has the upside to do it. Just worry about the usage there, but further down the board. And, and I don't mind Bijan Robinson at 10 to 1 either, by the way. Yep, he I could do it. Well. Just worry a little bit about, about the timeshare with Algier uh, yep. and Cordell Patterson, and a lot of his value is going to be through the air, but, but he could absolutely do it. A couple of guys who aren't even listed there, they're so long. Travis Etienne is 30 to 1. You just need Tank Bigsby to just not happen, and I think right. it probably will happen, but if he doesn't, ATN has the talent, and I think the team, who are minus 160 to win their division, and they're going to be running a lot in second halves, where I think that he could do it. And then the other guy, the long shot I like there, is, uh, is Damian Pierce, is 35-1. to one. Yeah, uh, And one. we Jacobs showed last year, you don't have to be on a great team necessarily to win this. I think he's going to run a ton. I think he has the upside to be a top five most talented running back in football, just as a pure runner. And so I wouldn't be shocked if Damian Pierce puts up 1,600 yards on the ground this year. All right, let's look at most regular season touchdowns in this group as well. This one is actually led by Derrick Henry rather than Nick Chubb uh, on the board. Nick Chubb, though, right behind him at plus 850J. Yep, and again, I think those two, just in terms of their their usage and, like, they're going to get the carries at the goal line, Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, and they're also just going to get the carries. That's why they're the two favorites for the rushing title as well. So it starts with them uh, as you look further down the list. Again, uh, Bijan Robinson, 11 to 1. Uh, we need to see what his goal line uh, usage is like. Josh Jacobs, 13 to 1. Again, don't like him as much there just because uh, they're not going to score as much. Yeah, I, I'll tell you a couple of guys that I think are, it's just kind of insane. Like, I'm um, Austin Eckler, who scored like 18 touchdowns the last two years at 14 to 1. Christian McCaffrey at 25 to 1. Almost I, off the board. Like, right. I mean, that, like. Like, again, I get it. He, he This is rushing touchdowns, not pass, you know, and he'll be used in the receiving game. But there's a chance that a fully healthy Christian McCaffrey just goes absolutely bananas with Kyle Shanahan and has just a monster year. So 25 to 1 on Christian McCaffrey is really interesting uh, interesting to me. And Najee Harris, like, again, we're, I'm anti-Najee Harris. You know, like, I, I don't love him. But, like, we think that offense is going to be better. And there's, there's a chance that Najee Harris is, like, Jerome Bettis 2.0 on a better Steelers offense. Like we think that offense would be better, and so what was he was like 22 to one. Yep, 22 to one. Yep. Last one for me, Tony Pollard 25 to one. He only got seven carries at the goal line last year. Still scored nine touchdowns. I think he has the upside to lead the league in touchdowns on an explosive offense. Ezekiel Elliott gives up over 20 goal to go carries. Like that's that's available in that offense from last year. Zeke is obviously in. What's Zeke's? By the way. I wouldn't be wouldn't put, scroll uh, down. Wouldn't put, pa- wouldn't put it past Belichick to 40, say like you're going to be my new Legarrette Blunt, right? Yep. He's he's younger Stumbles than into 12 Zeke is younger than Corey Dillon when Corey Dillon went Throwback. to the Patriots and Corey Dillon was a monster for the Patriots for three years. Yep. He was awesome. Could See, be done. I'm this just saying. Jamal Williams. Just saying. With that, we'll take our first break. When we're back, we continue our running back primer. We gave you the tiers, the rankings. Next up, we talk strategy for your draft. 
end of draft season is upon us, and what better way to spend it than with us? There are two fantasy football happy hour marathons this weekend, including a monster 16-hour marathon on Saturday, beginning at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Peacock. Guys, what are the chances someone watches all of that one? 16 hours straight. Here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. 16,000 to 1? Uh, <laughs> there you go. I, I have to figure this out. If you do watch all 16 hours of that, and can prove it to us. You have maybe to live it's like, stream the whole thing. Well, no, you don't have to live stream it, but maybe you take a take a photo, you know, time lapse, a time lapse something. Yeah, like yeah. maybe a time lapse thing. If you can figure out a way to prove to us that you watched all 16 hours, or like, at least we, go to the effort of fabricating. Right, one, one, of the the one of those two yeah. things. You, you will you will drink free for a day here at the happy hour. We'll find a way to we'll put your like your picture somewhere on the set or something like that. We'll uh, we'll do that. So yeah, if you. Um, uh, if you figure out a way to, to watch all si- pro- and prove to us that you watched all 16 hours, go That'd to Peacock. Impressive. There all you right. go. We'll see. Let's jump into running back strategy, starting with, of course, the very popular here, Barry. Zero RB. Zero RB has swept the nation. Essentially, as you always say, not taking a running back in the first four to five rounds. Give us just a little outline of the pros and cons for those that do opt to go zero RB in their drafts. Yeah, I mean, so we talked about this a little bit last segment, right? But um, the idea of, of, of zero RB is that you're absolutely crushing. You're having elite wide receivers, elite tight ends, right? And then the idea is, is that it, it sort of came from best ball. The idea there, it, it's not sort of similar to this year, but just in general, the kind of concept is, is that, hey, there are running backs that are going later because they have uncertain playing time situations. They're part of a committee, Khalil Herbert, you know, kind of thing. Uh, or they have a path to being, you know, a superstar running back. Like Samaj P. Ryan, who behind Joe Mixon or Alexander Madison, who was behind Dalvin Cook in previous years. You knew if anything happened to the starter in front of them, Tony Pollard behind Ezekiel Elliott, for example. So that, that you can find those guys and that, especially in best ball, ultimately running backs will come into the league. That's the idea behind zero RB. The cons are, of course, is that like that doesn't happen and that the backups you're chasing aren't the ones that end up popping and that, you know, you miss out on the waiver wire or other people, you know, that Dalvin Cook stays healthy all year and so your Alexander Madison doesn't do much or only does something in one game. So those, those are the cons. But like I said, this year more than ever, I think zero RB or a modified zero RB approach which is somewhat called uh, here RB, and we'll talk about that in a second. A modified zero RB approach is a really good one because that the running backs in the four to six range in terms of the round, you know, going from the fourth to sixth round, I think are awesome. Like, and if you have, four. right, as you see here, right, again, like on your screen, these are all guys going in the sixth, seventh, and eighth round, uh, not including Jonathan Taylor, who obviously has moved down quite a bit. But like James Conner, James Cook, Cam Akers, Dave Montgomery, Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco, even Dalvin Cook to an extent. All of those guys that I just mentioned are going to get some of them. Connor, Akers, Cook, Montgomery, White, Pacheco are all going to get 15 or more touches a game. Dalvin might get 12 to 15. We'll see there. Right? And then, then in the Tier 5, Khalil Herbert could easily be the guy. Could easily get 15 to 17 touches a game. I think Gibson and Robinson both will touch the ball a lot in an offense that I think will be better than people think. Samaji P. Ron and A.J. Dillon, again, both should have a bigger role than you think. I don't think the Packers are going to be bad, and I do think that offense will be more run-heavy than people think. We already talked about Samaji P. Ryan earlier in the show. So I just – there's just so much um, – because of the way the draft is falling this year, I prefer a zero RB approach or a modified zero RB approach because there's much better value in running backs later on. There are elite guys. There are guys in good situations – 
uh, that you can get later as opposed to the wide receivers, which at the elite level dry up quicker. I think as well, just philosophically with zero RB, it plays into the idea that there's more attrition at the running back position. There's more attrition at that position than any position in U.S. major sports, effectively. And I think on average, a running back misses like two games a year through injury, and that's less for a wide receiver. And I mean, guys slide as well. Like in the last mock that we did, I got Najee Harris in the sixth round. People are going to some in some drafts. People are going to be terrified of Tank Bigsby, and Travis Etienne is going to slide to the fourth or fifth round. So you can definitely prosper with that approach. Barry, how about yeah. hero RB? Say you're in a situation where where you're slotted in the first round, the value is just too good where you're not going to let Christian McCaffrey go by, right. Austin Eckler go by, and because people did go all in on zero RB, the hero RB approach, essentially, you're taking one great running back, you would think, really or right. one and then you're run, waiting, and then you're going to wait it out. Right, to like the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, Same really sort late. of thing, but again, if you have that anchor running back, you're like, you know, I feel good for my one running back spot. I know Eckler or McCaffrey or even like Bijan towards the end of the first round. Like you feel pretty good about where you're at. And so if you have an anchor running back or a hero running back, it's called different things there. Then, um, uh, then you feel really good. And now all you got to do is get one, uh, one other running back to pop and you feel good about, uh, how your starting running backs are. The cons of that are, uh, is that, you know, you miss out on an elite wide receiver in the first round. And so maybe you have to, uh, work a little bit harder at some of the other positions because you're a little bit more vulnerable, if you will, right? You're going to get, if you go here RB or, or anchor RB, you're only going to have at least one, you may have one elite wide receiver, depending on how the draft, like if you go McCaffrey early on, like your number one wide receiver might be like T. Higgins, which is, well, we like T. Higgins, you know, or Devontae Smith. Like if you're picking second in a 12-team league and by the time it comes back around you in this into the second you know, and everyone's going wide receiver crazy. You don't feel great about T. Higgins or Devontae Smith as your number one wide receiver. You'd prefer them as your number two. So that's the only thing is that it hurts you slightly at the other positions. Yeah, and I would say with all of this approach, like don't necessarily go into your draft just obsessed that, oh, I'm going to do zero RB. Like let the draft, how it plays out early, dictate your approach. Like if you want to go zero RB, but then all of a sudden just randomly Christian McCaffrey's available at pick five for you, then you should probably switch up your approach. Again, like again, and this this sounds defensive, but I don't mean it to, but like that was what happened to me in the last mock we did. All jokes aside, like I had planned on doing, I've been mostly doing zero RB or, or hero RB this year. And so I wound up with Eckler. I think Eckler went six, fell to me at six. And then in the second round, in the seventh pick of the second round at two seven, Derrick Henry's still there. And I'm just like, I'm not drafting T. Higgins yep. or Devontae Smith and passing up Derrick Henry. So I ended up going running back, running back, because that's just how it fell to me. And so, again, when you're drafting, you don't have to you're not stuck with that team your entire year. All you're doing is giving yourself foundational building blocks. And you know what? Chances are you'll be able to trade Eckler or Henry if you need to. Or see how some of your sleeper wide receivers, if one of them pops. That's the, you know, that's the idea there, um, you know, for me. So I just think it's, that's, that's important to, to understand. And the other, the other last thing I'll say, and this is in my Draft Day Manifesto, which is on NBCSports.com. I'm a company man. But the idea is, is that, you don't need to find running backs that will be a star for every week. Again, like, Deion Jackson had two weeks last year where he, he scored over 20 fantasy points, right? There are going to be guys like Latavius Murray, of all things, was a top 20 running back, like, for six weeks towards the end of the season. Running backs come into the league, and, you know, guys that can get you through a couple of weeks here or there, because you'll know when to start them, because the guy in front of them is hurt for two or weeks, and then you can be like, okay, yes, this is the week to start Tank Bigsby, because ETN's missing the next two weeks, and so... I know Tank Bigsby is going to get 17 touches and 
be you know a top 20 running back this week. In the situation you were talking about, Barry, is really heavy RB. Two-plus running backs in the first three to four rounds. And, Jay, we went over, obviously, Eckler and McCaffrey. Those are, and even Bijan to a point. But when you look at tiers two and three, and we'll bring tier two back up in a second, who are the running back targets that you personally are looking at if you are going to go with the heavy RB approach? I mean, if you wind up with one of McCaffrey or Eckler to start, like if I can get Tony Pollard in the second round, I think that's the guy, uh, certainly. I mean, as the draft unfolded for Matthew, Derek Henry as well. It is interesting where there is that kind of cutoff point where often you are choosing between Pollard and Henry or T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, and I'd rather just have the running back in that situation just because they're the better player and the better prospect. Shouldn't need to chase positions just because you haven't filled it in the second round. Right, and if you take a running back necessarily in the you know first round, but then you do catch up on wide receiver in rounds two and three, Maybe you do get a Damian Pierce there in a round four range, and he ends up finishing, you know, in that comfortable RB two range for you as well. Yeah, a thousand percent. All right, we're gonna take I'm our last we break. break. When we're back, it's last call. We are narrowing down the team options, college team options, options, Big Ten options yeah. for Matthew. For more Barry. of this, go read my draft day manifesto: the seven habits of highly effective drafters. All right, now I'm here with the Roto World football guys, Pat Doherty, Denny Carter, and Kyle Dvorak. All right, guys, we're talking running backs today, and I want your one big piece of advice for drafting a running back this year. Denny, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, first of all, never draft a running back. (laughs) But uh, if you do, uh, I think that, you know, there, there are the guys, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, who have a lot of uncertainty baked into their ADP. I think that you can take advantage of that for me. And I, I like to wait until the middle rounds, till guys like Rashad White, who I think has a lot of PPR appeal, uh, James Conner, same thing, James Cook, okay? All the Jameses. Just keep getting J- uh, running backs named James, you'll be okay. Uh, so I, that, that's sort of the, the approach I'm taking. I'm not really looking at those first round uh, running backs unless I can get CMC maybe at the two spot. Uh, but but otherwise, it's it's Jacobs is very interesting, and then I'll drop down to the middle round. I think that's a great point. This is a to me, this is a great year to wait on running back, not to invest high. Because to your point, whether it's you know you mentioned you mentioned James Cook and James Connor uh, and um, who, who else? Uh, Rashad White. Rashad White. I also Damian Pierce, mm-hmm. Cam Akers. There's like a lot of Pierce, cheap yeah. volume late. You know, like on those middle rounds, yeah. like all the guys you just mentioned. I think Isaiah Pacheco is sort of there, you know, in terms of like 15 to 17 touches a game. Brian Robinson, mm-hmm. I think, is 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 there. So like, there's a lot of guys like that. I, listen, I think Dal for all the Brees Hall love, Dalvin Cook's going to touch the ball double digit times. He is. Like like whether we I, like it or not. Whether we like it or not, but I, no, I, I, I refuse. Like I think this is what I've said on my show is just like you go back to 2021 when Rodgers played for Hackett in Green Bay. AJ Dillon averaged about 13 touches a game. Aaron Jones averaged about 18 touches a game, and I think that split is probably about right. They're obviously different co- yeah, kind of running right. backs, but I think the way Hackett wants to run his offense is probably similar there. So I agree with you. Just there's a lot of really good volume in those middle rounds, like solid running backs you can wait. Absolutely. I, actually, Pat's been trying to tell us that Dalvin Cook's going to be a thing. And we are listening, though. We are listening. Head in the sand. The young kids, the Zoomers, don't want to acknowledge it. We can't. But, uh, but he is. I mean, Aaron Rodgers wants him to be a thing, so he will. Aaron Rodgers gave up $35. $35 million. <laughs> well, more than that. Bucks. He gave up $35 million in a restructured contract so yeah. that they could sign yes. some veterans. Like, Dalvin Cook's not going to sit there holding the clipboard. Right. Pat, what's your one big piece of advice? It dovetails exactly with what you guys are saying. I think you need to be comfortable living a little dangerously at running back this year because 
receiver is not as deep as usual. I feel more it's more important than ever to hammer receiver early, and maybe you have to take a little more risk on at running back than you would typically like to, but Josh Jacobs, who will who, stabilize now as ADP, but Josh Jacobs or Jonathan Taylor were falling all summer. Jonathan Taylor's still falling. He might have a meteoric rise this weekend if he gets traded to the Dolphins. Sure. But then that's in the second tier, then there's re- really good risk-reward guys like Javante Williams, like Brees Hall, maybe like J.K. Dobbins, too, where we're just not quite sure how much work he's actually going to get. Isaiah Pacheco, too, who is the lead back for the league's best offense, but there's just uncertainty on exactly how he'll be used. So his ADP like never really rocket-shipped. And so I think you have to hammer a receiver early. You have to be comfortable with RB risk. And I think just more running backs are falling this year Definitely. because the receiver mm-hmm. r- land rush has never been more intense than it is. Yes. And I think this year, like, the RB30 is better than the RB30 was two or three years ago. Or, like, the RB33 is better. And I think it's a little deeper at running back and not nearly as deep at, at wide receiver. Listen, I, in addition to all the guys we already mentioned, I'll add Antonio Gibson there. I think he's yeah. going to be very usable this year. And this is you talk about sort of boring, you know, running backs. When you sit there and look at your team after the draft, you're gonna be like, but I'm just telling, like, David Montgomery is going to be a thing yes. this year. Like the like everything I'm hearing out of Lions camp is like it's David Montgomery, and then Jameer Gibbs is getting getting the DeAndre Swift role. Like you're looking at 10 to 12 touches a game for Jameer Gibbs, mm-hmm. and Montgomery is going to be the hammer behind one of the league's offense best offensive lines on a team that outside of St. Brown doesn't have a lot of passing options, right? I mean, so they got Laporta, they'll get Jameson Williams in week seven, but, like, they want to run the ball. Like, you know, Dan Campbell wants to be a physical team. Like, you're going to look up at the end of the year like, Dave yeah. Montgomery had 250 touches, right. really? Like, yeah. but that's what's going to happen. I always like when a guy inherits a role, like the Jamal Williams role. <laughs> just like, the 17 touchdown role. sliding into the 18 touchdown role is probably it, right. a good thing. Good and that role. was fluky. He's obviously not going to yeah. get 18 touchdowns, yeah. but, like, I wouldn't be shocked if he's got get ten or twelve, exactly. yeah, a yeah. thousand percent. Like they, they want to, they really like Dave Montgomery there. And while he is boring and not efficient, he will get volume <laughs> in a good offense. Kyle, how about you? Going from boring and not efficient to extremely efficient. If I am, which is, I don't want to say rare, but if I am drafting a running back in the first three rounds, sort of talking about the risk you're taking on. There are some supreme talents to take risks on in the second and third round. Tony Pollard, the magazine cover, has been just bar none top five, if not top three, in every efficiency category, whether you're looking at the spreadsheets or just watch the dude play ball. like <laughs> He, I think, is a strong candidate to be the RB1 overall if you're not looking at Bijan, Eckler, McCaffrey. Those guys are kind of obvious ones. If you want a dark horse, it's Tony Pollard. Pollard is, is a great case there in terms of, uh, you know, they didn't sign a veteran, at least they haven't to date. doesn't look like they're going to. And this stat is crazy to me. So last year... Uh, there were uh, uh, Tony Pollard had uh, nine rushing touchdowns, despite only getting 12 carries inside an <laughs> opponent's 10-yard line. He got only 12, and so think about Ezekiel Elliott, who leaves over 20 goal-to-go carries. Right, like mm. if he scored that many touchdowns without getting any any gimmies, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden he's going to get yes, gimmies. Mike McCarthy, you know, wants to run the ball, the least creative play caller in the NFL. <laughs> like, but like it's going to help out Tony Pollard because I think. Volume will be there. People think Tony Pollard's a small back. He's not a small back. He's just not Zeke size, which a lot of guys aren't. Right. And even if he's not the like official goal line back, he's their best back. They're not going to just yank him off the field for all the. Yeah, the alternative is Rico Dottle. Exactly. Right? They're not so going to take Tony. He Pollard might not off. be the short yardage guy, but the most important plays Tony Pollard is going to be in the game. The alternative is Deuce Vaughn. 
I just want to a, a smaller, a much, 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 much smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see all these defensive linemen looking behind. Where'd <laughs> <laughs> go? The analytics right. love a tiny running back. Yeah, Deuce, and, come and on, get out from yeah. under the stairs. There. there you go. We love Deuce. Check out the Roto World Football Show three times a week wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, follow these guys on Twitter at RotoPat, at CD Carter thirteen, and at Kyle tweets here. Figure out who I should root for. Because I don't, I, I grew up in College Station, Texas, so obviously I like Texas A&M. I went to Syracuse, so I root for the Orange. My kid is going to Alabama in the fall, so I've got, I got to root for the Tide now. But I don't have a Big Ten connection. Nebraska, Nebraska's kind of interesting. <laughs> Northwestern, <laughs> Wisconsin, Northwestern, the Bray, well, I couldn't have gotten into Northwestern. It should be a school that I could get into. Do you guys have a vote for me? Well, I think we should put it out to a, a fan vote. I think, fan vote? I think this, should be a a, this should be a fan vote. Fan vote, I will let the fans decide who my Big Ten team is. There's the poll. Iowa State, uh, shockingly, not making the cut on this one. <laughs> no. <After being laughs> no. There, not it's not. Right now, so far, and the, the poll's still going on at Matthew Berry TMR on Twitter slash X. But, yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out which team that I'm a diehard lifetime fan of. I'm deciding right now. <laughs> the people are pushing you towards Michigan. They're pushing me towards Michigan. Big Twitter fan base. Right, but, but it's still close. Michigan, Iowa, Maryland, Penn State, all getting north of 22% of the vote. It could, it's still anyone's race. And by the way, let's be clear. It's a Twitter poll. I'm not 100% beholden <laughs> to whatever comes up of this. Like, I, I am willing to accept bribes. I am willing, I'm willing to be bought off here. Make no mistake about it. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm fairly easy, Jay. Yeah. Well, all we know is that it's not going to be Michigan State because apparently no. you, had like a, you, you had like a true detective season unfold onto you in East Lansing. Yeah, I, will never, I will never go back to East Lansing. <laughs> I will never go back to East Lansing. Unbelievable. We don't even know if you're allowed to uh, go back No, to East we haven't. Lansing. But you see, the, you, see the, uh, you see the hats here, Iowa, Michigan, uh, Maryland, and, of course, Penn State. Penn State Blake who is an alumnus and our show researcher, making a a uh, dedicated plea to me to choose them. Jay Flower with uh, a, a very big plea to you here, Barry. Well, he says Maryland is not a real big <laughs> team, so you can just take that off the list. Michigan is the easy route, and Iowa is the want-to-pull-your-eyeballs-out route. I'd go Penn State. Do we think Blake's Jay burner. Flower is Blake's That's burner? Absolutely every bit of Blake's burner. Just sneaking right. Penn Maryland State is at not the a end. Real big so, oh, and then Dane, Dane Carlini says... Uh, uh, Barry, if you like teams that were once great 30 years ago, have gone in a slump the past 20, and have gradually changed their name from Cornhuskers to Huskers, slimmer, similar to your Redskins, Nebraska, added bonus. We're in about every game and find a way to break your heart weekly. Yeah, you need more of that, Barry. Yeah, I sure. Recruiting yeah. For the commanders. yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is uh, Rob Jacobson who says, how about Indiana? We have nothing. <laughs> Having you as a fan might literally be significant to the team getting better. That's how desperate we are. That's the best That's pitch. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That is the best pitch. You hey, have to be uh, the most hey, famous fan. Right. right. You're just that, there, there is that. You know, like, I, I'm interested. I'm sort of interested <laughs> in that. And I just like, hey, this is how <laughs> desperate we are. So like, I, I've, gotten a lot of, I've gotten a lot of jobs and opportunities because people are just desperate. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Jay and Connor, I'm Matthew. We're back tomorrow. Peace out.